Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Hello, dogs. It is this is just human number 257. My dogs were napping until I hit the record button. I don't know if y'all can hear them, but oh boy. I put it, they've had a workout today. We have done many things with the dogs today, and apparently they, they aren't satisfied. They want to be down here with me while I record this. Maybe they're interested in the Seth Rich FOIA case, because that is what we're going to be covering uh, this morning or this evening, this afternoon, whatever time it is when you're watching this. Uh, that's our focus today, and that is the only thing we're going to focus on. Now, as I've hit record here, the transcript of Hunter Biden's deposition with the House uh, Republic, well, House Judiciary has uh, dropped and... Um, tempted to go to that but i've been promising to catch up on seth rich for quite a while so let's let's do this all right folks if you're not following me on my social medias uh hit the link tree you can follow me on x substack telegram true social all those places i don't post much on blue on blue sky uh i don't really post there at all but i still have it just in case we ever need it um Substack is where I do the podcast version of this show. Everything on my Substack is free, but if you want to do a paid subscription there, it's an excellent way to support what I do. The other support links are right here. Ko-Fi.com, Benson Honey Farms, Bootleg Products, Manly Cans, Merch, Venmo, all that stuff is right there if you are interested in supporting uh, what I do here. And thank you to everybody who has uh, supported it. You guys make it possible. You make them at the end of the day, the numbers have to make sense for me to keep doing this, uh, this type of thing. And, and you guys, y'all, y'all make it make sense. So I really appreciate it. Okay. That's Athena barking, not Hercules. Uh, that's kind of rare. Usually it's Hercules nine out of 10 times. Okay. So Seth Rich FOIA case, we haven't been here in a while. Um, waiting on a couple shoes to drop in this thing. And right now there is a battle that is waging over uh, a motion from the FBI for summary judgment where the FBI wants the judge to rule that, yep, all this stuff over here is exempt under FOIA exemption seven a, and he can't get access to it. Um, so we're going to start with the first one here. I may need to tell her to hush. I think the neighbors are home and the neighbors have dogs. And they go back and forth. And I would love for the neighbor's dogs and my dogs to get along. But the neighbor's dogs aren't interested in getting along. I have a doggy cam. <laughs> I can't talk to her. All right, so far she's listening. We'll see how long that lasts. Okay. All right, so this is from February 8th. Like I said, we're behind here. This is defendant, that'd be the FBI's motion for summary judgment regarding FOIA exemption 7A. So in reading this stuff, um, in my opinion, it's important, like with most things, it's important not to react to it and just like be like, ah, girl, screw the FBI. Like, um, if you're if you're all reflexive about that, you're gonna miss some of the nuggets that are in here. Which I haven't read this one, but there almost always is some sort of nugget that's like, oh, that's interesting, or an admission, or there's okay, this argument makes sense if this, then, and that. So this, these types of filings, it's very important to just have a mind towards trying to understand what is being communicated here and uh, read some tea leaves. Um, we may come away with it at the end and be like, ah, yeah, well, that's a bunch of BS and they need to, they need to give this stuff up. They're just hiding it. Um, you may not buy their argument for why. Um, but if you start out reacting to it, then you know, you're just going to be reacting and be annoyed with it the entire time. All right, defendant's motion for summary judgment regarding FOIA exemption 7A. 
introduction, the background facts of this FOIA case and its procedural history are all well known to the court as they are to the parties. In the present motion, the defendants are asking this court to hold that Seth Rich's work laptop, the DVD, and tape drive collectively referred to as the work laptop, so all those things are the work laptop, and the CD containing an image of Seth Rich's personal laptop, this would be a forensic image, not just like a photo of it, are exempt from disclosure under FOIA Exemption 7A. So let's look up FOIA Exemption 7A. I'm going to read it exactly what it is. FOIA Exemption 7A permits the withholding of records or information compiled for law enforcement purposes when the disclosure of such information could reasonably be expected to interfere with an ongoing enforcement proceeding in which final action has not yet been reached. This exemption protects personal information in law enforcement records and is the law enforcement counterpart, counterpart to Exemption 6, which is the FOIA's fundamental privacy exemption. The threshold requirement for Exemption 7 has been modified twice since the enactment of FOIA, in its original form, this exemption permitted the withholding of investigative files compiled for law enforcement purposes, except to the extent available by law to a party other than an agency. So it's law for law enforcement purposes. So they want this stuff to be exempt because it is part of an ongoing investigation and enforcement proceeding, which is good. Um, and so therefore, they don't want to give it away. Exemption 7A is applicable or applicable because both laptops are related to ongoing criminal investigations of the most serious nature. Honestly, that's, I mean, the next best thing to them saying, here you go, you can have it all, is them saying that the criminal investigations are ongoing. I know that's used as a cover to hide stuff, but we want. At least I want. I want Seth Rich's murder and I want the DNC hack and I want things related to this laptop, these laptops, to be investigated. Because I do think there is criminality there, as I'm sure you do too. With respect to the personal laptop, the defendants assert that it may be related to the ongoing investigation into the homicide of Seth Rich. Okay, guys. This is exactly what I was talking about with the nuggets that you can find in here if you are understanding instead of reacting. Think. How in the world could the personal laptop of Seth Rich have anything to do with a botched robbery and murder? Either Either they are lying and they are using this lie that it is connected to his homicide. Um, and they're using that to hide the laptops, which may well be. Or they have determined that the personal laptop does have a connection to his homicide, which means necessarily that his homicide was not a botched robbery by just some random thugs and had nothing to do with the DNC hack, right? This is actually a huge admission. If true, big, if true, huge, if true. In the case of the work laptop, the defendants assert the defendant, again, the defendants here are the FBI assert that it may be related to the investigation into the homicide of Seth Rich and also may be related to a criminal case in which the United States alleges that Russian intelligence officers hacked into an American political party's computer system, stole thousands of pages of emails and documents, and publicly disclosed them in an effort to interfere with the 2016 election. So we know about that. That's the indictment uh, that came out of the Mueller Special Counsel against the people who hacked the DNC, the Russians who did. Um, although I think they're actually probably Ukrainian. But how would the work laptop be connected to his homicide? Again, it's the same thing. It necessarily means that there's much more to his homicide than it just being a botched robbery. So we have here in this, these opening lines, huge admissions or huge lies 
to keep this stuff secret. The defendants recognize that this is not the first motion for summary judgment this court has entertained. Nonetheless, in light of the dire consequences that might arise in a national security case and a homicide investigation from premature disclosure of information contained on these laptops, the defendants ask this court to consider and grant this motion. Issue presented. Whether, in light of ongoing criminal investigations, the defendants are entitled to withhold disclosure of the work laptop and personal laptop pursuant to FOIA Section 7A. Standard of review. Summary judgment is appropriate when there is no genuine issue as to any material fact and the moving party is entitled to judgment as a matter of law. The agency is required to justify any records withheld, in whole or in part, subject to FOIA's statutory exemptions. The exemptions reflect Congress's recognition, quote, that legitimate governmental and private interest could be harmed by release of certain types of information and provided nine specific exemptions under which disclosure could be refused. Summary judgment is warranted on the basis of agency affidavits when the affidavits describe the basis for non-disclosure with reasonable specific detail. Demonstrate... <laughs> Oh man. Demonstrate that the information withheld logically galls within the claims exemption and are not controverted by either contrary evidence in the record nor by evidence of bad faith. Ultimately, an agency's justification for invo invoking FOIA exemption is sufficient if it appears logical or plausible. Argument. The defendant's categorical invocation Invocation. <laughs> Invocation. <laughs> oh, this might, this might be a rough one. All right. The defendant's categorical invocation of FOIA exemption 7A at this stage of the proceeding is appropriate. I may have three hours of sleep may have not been enough. We had a great DPH last night and then, um, I was up at 6 AM and watching formula one. So <laughs> and then um excuse me. And then I I you know I took the dogs for long walks. We walked a couple miles each dog. Play with them out in the yard and took both my boys to school, picked both my boys up, play with dogs some more. It's been a great day. All right, the defendants, uh, the defendants anticipate the plaintiff will object to a second motion for summary judgment in which the defendants are invoking Exemption 7A with respect to four sets of materials when they did not do so in the defendant's original motion for summary judgment. As an initial matter, this court's local rules permit parties to bring more than one motion for summary judgment. Moreover, while it is true that the government is generally expected to raise all the exemptions it intends to raise in its initial motion for summary judgment, or forfeit the exemptions not invoked, the D.C. District Court has recognized that the government can avoid forfeiture and raise exemption at a later stage in the district court proceeding by demonstrating, quote, good cause. The D.C. District Court has stated that, quote, this showing need not be an onerous requirement and has identified at least four bases for related assertions of an exemption in an original district court proceeding. So, those would be, quote, the government might in some cases argue that its failure to raise a FOIA exemption earlier was an inadvertent error or that some intervening change in law or fact excuses it or that the consequences of not permitting an untimely assertion would be dire. The government might also argue that the assertion of additional exemptions would not unreasonably delay proceedings, either because the, the assertion is de minimis or because the legal issues are identical to issues already present in the case. In the present case, the invocation of 7A right now is justified because of the dire consequences that will flow from not permitting the government to assert and indeed withhold pursuant to Exemption 7A. So they're saying, yeah, we didn't raise this earlier. Um, also, they didn't admit they had the personal laptop earlier. Uh, they have not, they've admitted as little as possible at every single stage of this about what they have. And now that they have admitted that they have all of these things in evidence, and now that the court 
has issued a judgment last November for them to come up with a timeline for disclosure of information that is foyable on these laptops. They are suddenly claiming exemption 7A and saying that, look, we, we got to exempt the entire work laptop and the entire personal laptop because if we don't, there could be dire consequences. That's why we get to raise this exemption, which we hadn't raised before. Um, which they, I mean, if I remember right, they had raised it before, but it wasn't specific to the work and personal laptop. I could be misremembering though. As explained more fully below and in an attached eighth declaration of Michael Seidel, the work laptop and the personal laptop may contain information relevant to ongoing criminal investigations. The work laptop may contain information relevant to a case pending in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, United States versus Netixco. Netixco. Yeah. Something like that. That case involves criminal charges against 12 individuals. Those are the Russian intelligence people. As set forth in the indictment in the, that case, the defendants are officers within Russia's main intelligence directorate of the General Staff of the Armed Forces, commonly referred to as GRU. The indictment charges the defendants with hacking into the computer networks of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee and the Democratic National Committee and releasing, quote, tens of thousands of stolen emails and documents for the purpose of interfering with the 2016 presidential election. All the defendants remain at large. There are also several spinoff investigations ongoing, stemming from or related to the, the next show. They spelled it differently here. They left out the T. All right. Related to that case. The work laptop and personal laptop may also contain information related to the ongoing investigation of the homicide of Seth Rich being conducted by the District of Columbia Metropolitan Police Department and the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. No suspects in this murder, no suspect in this murder has been publicly identified and Rich's killer remains at large. So eight years later, they're saying that District of Columbia is still investigating and a United States Attorney's Office is investigating because, you know, Homicides are always investigated by U.S. attorneys, right? I got to tell, I got to get onto Athena again. It's, she's definitely upset about dogs next door. Hercules is tired. That's why he's not barking. I can see him laying down. Yeah, he's laying down because he's tired and wants to take a nap. And she's up there getting upset. I hate to do it because I don't want to give her a win and make her think that she can just bark and get to come downstairs, but I may end up having to go up there and just bring her down here. Let her chill down here. That way Hercules can take a nap. Uh, of course, if I do that, Hercules might get major FOMO and then he'll start barking. Both cases, one involving foreign interference in the federal election and another involving murder, as well as the spinoff investigations are particularly and obviously serious and sensitive law enforcement matters. These cases cannot be described as routine or run-of-the-mill cases where investigators might reflexively and inappropriately balk at release of information with no real bearing on the case. It is appropriate in these cases for investigators and prosecutors to stake wide boundaries around what might be considered important and worth withholding, and likewise for a court to defer to such determinations, particularly where the suspects remain at large. The premature release of information if the laptops are not exempt pursuant to Exemption 7A would be dire. With respect to the Netixco, they spelled it differently again. And that's three different spellings of this name. Net, net is, I, I'm not even going to try it. The, the premature release of information, quote, would reveal details concerning the pending enforcement proceedings to include the existence and location 
of the spinoff investigations. Interesting. And, quote, would provide criminals and agents of foreign powers with information about the United States government's investigations and law enforcement strategies in these ongoing matters, which would allow criminals and our national adversaries to predict and potentially thwart these strategies and or allow them to discover and tamper with witnesses and tamper with or destroy evidence. Similarly, regarding the homicide investigation, quote, disclosure of the contents of the personal laptop and work laptop would cause interference and harm to the pending investigation because it would provide criminals with information about investigation enforcement strategies in an ongoing matter, allow them to predict and potentially thwart these strategies and or allow them to discover or tamper with and and, and intimidate witnesses and or tamper with or destroy evidence. Huge, if true. If not, it's a huge lie to just try and come up with an excuse not to tell us what's on these laptops. But if it is true that these laptops do contain information related to his homicide, which I think many of us would assume they do, given our theories about his homicide and the nature of it, you know, then none of us, we shouldn't be surprised that the FBI is saying that they have such evidence on them, right? So in a way, it's like, I don't know if catch-22 is the phrase for it from our perspective, but it's like, okay, if we're completely wrong about Seth Rich's murder and it was a botched robbery and has nothing to do with DNC hack or WikiLeaks or anything like that, then that would mean the work laptops and personal laptops, there's no chance at all they have anything related to the homicide on them. Right? So if the FBI is lying about that, then we're wrong about our theories with regard to Seth Rich. If the FBI is telling the truth that these laptops do connect to his homicide, then that's that's very strongly indicative that we are correct in our theories to some degree that his homicide was not just some regular homicide. Right? You see what I'm saying here? It, it sucks because it means that they, ha- they have a legit excuse to not disclose what's on these laptops right now. But it's also confirmation, if true, that there's something to our theories about this homicide not being just a botched robbery, unfortunate homicide. Part two, the defendants properly withheld the work laptop and personal laptop pursuant to Exemption 7A. Exemption 7 protects from disclosure of records information compiled for law enforcement purposes. The exemption is broken down into six parts. We've gone through these before. The work laptop and personal laptop were compiled for law enforcement purposes. As a threshold matter, for Exemption 7A to apply, a record must have been compiled for law enforcement purposes. Law enforcement duties in connection with an active investigation. Is it possible security risk to federal law? Turning first to the work laptop, the court's ruling on the party's motions for clarification is instructive. There, the court considered whether, quote, a letter from a third party that accompanied the work laptop, two chain of custody forms, and the three-page report detailing actions by a third party. I think he's they're referring to CrowdStrike. Um, outside into image, image the work laptop. They may not be, but I think they could. The newly found documents were compiled for law enforcement purposes. The court found the newly found documents quote, were created and compiled in furtherance of the FBI's role in the United States Office of Special Counsel Investigation and related investigations, that'd be Mueller. The court's determination that the documents accompanying the work laptop were compiled for law enforcement purposes naturally extends to the work laptop, and the court should find the work laptop was compiled for law enforcement purposes. In addition to the court's prior order, the the eighth CIDL declaration, which we'll read next, establishes that the work laptop was, quote, compiled for law enforcement purposes. The work laptop was collected in furtherance of the FBI's role in the special counsel's office and other related investigations. The SEO's function was to investigate Russian interference with the 2016 presidential election and to prosecute federal crimes arising from the investigation and those committed in the course of. 
and with the intent to interfere that with that investigation. The work laptop was, quote, collected to document FBI's investigation of potential crimes and threats to the national security. Because the work laptop was compiled for law enforcement purposes, defendants have satisfied FOIA Exemption 7's threshold inquiry as to the work laptop. Okay, that makes sense. The personal laptop was similarly compiled for law enforcement purposes. As set forth in the 8th CIDL Declaration, the personal laptop was collected by FBI in furtherance of its role in the special counsel's office and related investigations. So, interesting that the work laptop and personal laptop came into their possession as part of Mueller's special counsel. That tells you that, like, the kind of st stuff that would be on there. Like, I know we have our beliefs about what's on there, but this is confirmation that our beliefs are closer to accurate than not. The court has already held that collection of the work laptop in connection with the SEO and related investigations satisfies the FOIA Exemption 7 threshold. The same reasoning applies to the personal laptop and the defendants have satisfied the threshold FOIA Exemption 7 threshold inquiry as to the personal laptop. Accordingly, the court should conclude that both the work laptop and the personal laptop was compiled for law enforcement purposes. Part B, defendants are entitled to withhold information concerning pending enforcement proceeding under Exemption 7A. FOIA Exemption 7A protects information compiled for law enforcement purposes when disclosure could reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement proceedings. Exemption 7A reflects Congress's recognition, blah, 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 to justify, blah, 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 include records that could disclose. Records that could disclose under investigation the identities of potential witnesses, the content of the government's evidence, and the trial strategy, and the focus of the investigation. An agency may satisfy the second and third prong by pointing to pending investigation or proceeding. Premature release of the work laptop could reasonably be anticipated to interfere with pending criminal prosecutions and ongoing investigations. The work laptop relates to pending criminal national security prosecutions and multiple pending spinoff investigations. That's what's that excites me. That's another Easter egg in here. We, are, we already know the work laptop relates to a pending criminal and national security prosecution. That would be the, the hackers that Mueller indicted. But it mentioning multiple spinoff investigations, pending spinoff investigations. Uh, that's it's titillating. There is a pending criminal prosecution in the United States District of Columbia for Viktor Borisovich Netichko. On July 13, 2018, a grand jury returned an indictment against 12 individuals. These are the Russian hackers. Here are all their names, which I'm not going to you know, give y'all my amazing pronunciation of all of them. The defendants in the Netichko, they spelled it differently again there. The Netichko, dude, I don't know why this word is so hard for me to pronounce, but it is. I don't know. I don't know why. It, I mean, it doesn't help that they keep spelling it differently. Proper noun, the internet. <laughs> that is funny. Oh, that is funny. I need a... Uh... I need something that will pronounce it like a Russian would. Um, okay, will this help? I don't know. Search a word. Okay. No results found. Dang it.
Now it's names right. I don't know about this website. Let's see. Let's just find out. Let's see what it says. Name was not found. It's totally made up. Nobody knows how to pronounce it. All right. The premature release. I'm just going to call it net. I don't know. The netty show. <laughs> Probably going to get a dozen comments making fun of me and telling me three different ways to pronounce it. Y'all can all argue with each other. Okay. The defendants in that case, um, the matter remained fugitives and a premature release of information could trigger multiple harms. The premature release of information could provide these fugitives information regarding the investigation and that they could use to continue to escape prosecution and thwart current investigative efforts by altering or counteracting evidence, changing behavior, intimidating, blah, 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 blah. Releasing the information could also allow third parties who are not directly related to that case um, with investigative efforts or future prosecutions or allow them to interfere with those. Finally, release of the information can lead to identification uh, of information, witnesses, potential witnesses, law enforcement, and others who are otherwise associated with the investigation and then would be exposed to intimidate or harm. So I actually have like the most amount of, like I think that's actually the most reasonable risk there is that some of the information on these laptops might let the quote unquote bad guys know who the witnesses are and who might be brought to testify at trial and um, things like that. And then it could result in their deaths, death the same way that it resulted in Seth Rich's death. Right. So I, I think of these reasons they just listed. Like, I don't think I'm not really convinced that these hackers are ever going to be brought to America and put on trial. Right. Highly unlikely. So I'm not really worried about them changing their behavior or deleting evidence or whatever. It's been, it's been eight years, but to the extent that witnesses still are alive and could be brought to trial to help convict them, should they ever be brought to the U S I could see how releasing information on the laptop could end up harming those witnesses and putting them at risk. So that's the one that like really has carries the most weight for me. As the court has previously found, there is a general recognition among courts that prematurely releasing certain information under FOIA may interfere with enforcement proceedings. Although the Netic show, Netty show, Netty pot show matter where 12 individuals remain fugitives provides sufficient support to withhold work laptop pursuant to FOIA exemption 7A. The exemption is further supported by the pending spinoff criminal investigations. Please tell me more about those. These investigations remain ongoing. In the CIDL de declaration, paragraph 16, under the investigations conclude the release of information in the investigative files for the pending investigations, which includes the work laptop, could interfere with the investigation. Who, uh, hey, see, this is, this is something that's really, hmm. This is kind of exciting because, guys, if the, if the hackers have already been indicted. What are the spinoff investigations of? Hmm. Maybe it's of people who paid them to hack the DNC. Or maybe it's of people who Paid someone to spoof data that made it look like the DNC was hacked when it wasn't. The Georgia Tech researchers come to mind. Who Durham referred. So that fake news that Durham didn't make any referrals in his uh, special report. He did. Actually, he did. All right, the ex ex existence of the pending spinoff investigations provides separate and independent sufficient basis to withhold the work laptop pursuant to FOIA Exemption 7A. Premature release of the work laptop could also be reasonably expected to interfere with the ongoing investigation into the homicide of Seth Rich, as set forth in the 8th Seidel Declaration, 
Premature release of the work laptop would provide criminals with information, blah, 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 blah. Due to the high profile nature of the investigation into the homicide of Seth Rich, premature release of the work laptop could also, quote, allow potential witnesses or subjects to locate specific details related to the ongoing investigation and use that information to influence the investigation by altering witness testimony or tampering with or destroying evidence. It could also disclose the scope and focus of the investigation, which would allow potential targets to invest of the investigation to elude detection, et cetera, et cetera. The, these, the reasonable expectation, what? These, the reasonable expectation that premature release. I think it's supposed to be, these are the reasonable ex. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the work laptop could cause these types of interference with the investigation into the homicide of Seth Rich. It is appropriate to withhold the work laptop pursuant to FOIA exemption, exemption 7A. Part two. Again, but part two with lowercase eyes. Releasing the personal laptop would similarly threaten ongoing criminal investigations. As discussed above, the personal laptop is evidence in an, in a, an investigation that is being handled by the U.S. District Attorney for D.C., the U.S. Attorney's Office for D.C., in connection with the District of Columbia Metropolitan Police Department, the Metro Police. The Metro Police is the local law enforcement agency for the District of Columbia. Its creation and regulations are compiled in Title V of the Code of District of Columbia, and it is a law enforcement jurisdiction over homicides. Yeah, it has jurisdiction over homicides. So why is the U.S. Attorney involved? The U.S. Attorney is involved because they are responsible for the prosecution of all federal crimes, as well as all serious local crime committed by adults in the D.C. area. Hmm. Both the Metro Police and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia have been investigating and continue to investigate the homicide of Seth Rich as the law enforcement agencies with jurisdiction over the alleged crime. Premature release of the personal laptop could be reasonably expected to interfere with the investigation into the homicide of Seth Rich, which means, as I said earlier, if true, it means our, if there's information related to his homicide on the laptops, then it means our theories about his homicide are not meritless. The same types of interference could reasonably be expected to arise out of premature release of the personal laptop, such as witnesses under threat, destruction of evidence, etc., allow potential targets to elude, blah, blah, blah. Accordingly, because the release of this and blah, 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 same thing. Part three, the defendants reserve their right to assert additional 7A exemptions at the appropriate time. Defendants are entitled to categorically withhold the work laptop and personal lap laptop pursuant to FOIA exemption 7A. However, other FOIA exemptions may provide additional independent grounds for withholding records and information. Potentially applicable exemptions include FOIA exemption 3, 4, 6, 7C through 7F. By way of example, the personal laptop and work laptop could contain information reflecting personal information. Of course they do. And the disclosure of which could constitute a clear, unwarranted invasion of per personal privacy. Redactions exist. You guys love redactions. Just redact that stuff. In that case, defendants would be entitled to withhold the information under FOIA Exemption 6 and 7C following the expiration of the applicability of FOIA Exemption 7A. Accordingly, the defendants reserve the right to invoke additional exemptions to protect from disclosure of responsive material contained in the work laptop and personal laptop in connection with processing the laptops if the court rejects the applicability of 7A. Hmm. Okay. At this time, preparation of a Vaughn index for the laptops is premature. That's interesting. See, um, the judge ordered them to produce a, a, a Vaughn index. And Vaughn indexes don't actually tell you anything. They don't have, it's not disclosure. They just, they just are a breakdown of why material is, individual material on there is being withheld. 
but it doesn't reveal anything. Uh, but they don't even want the Vaughn index being created. To do see solar sources, it is not generic. Okay, I may have to just read this whole thing. It's in parentheses. Given the fact that Exemption 7A does not require the government to establish that each particular document would interfere with enforce, enforcement proceedings, or whether permits generic exemptions of categories of documents, courts have recognized that a Vaughn index requirement in a 7A case would make little sense. Quote, when a claimed FOIA exemption consists of a generic exclusion dependent upon the category of records rather than the subject matter which each individual record contains, resort to a Vaughn index is futile. That's from Church of Scientology versus IRS. Scalia J. Opining. Accordingly, defendants respectfully assert that it is unnecessary to propose a timeline for the preparation of a Vaughn index with respect to the laptops at this time. If and when the court denies this motion, defendants can confer with plaintiff to propose a timeline for the processing of the laptops and preparation of the Vaughn index, wherein defendants would assert any other applicable FOIA exemption. So they're like saying, look, if you deny us here, we're willing to get together with the plaintiff, which they were already supposed to do and didn't. I don't have a lot of faith that they actually are willing to propose a timeline for processing of the laptops and prep of the Vaughn index. But they're saying that they would, they would assert FOIA exemptions over and over again to each individual piece of information. Most likely that's how I understand it anyway. Okay. There we go. That's that's that piece. Now, hold on. I just got. While I was reading that, I got a uh, notification that there's some stuff on the Trump docked case. And I'm expecting her to. I'm expecting Judge Cannon to drop an order. OK, it wasn't those. Waiting for her to drop a, an order that uh, has to do with unclassified stuff um, going on the docket. Okay, Seidel Declaration. What are we at here? Okay. I, Michael G. Seidel, declare as follows. I'm the section chief of the Record Information Dissemination Section, RIDS, or RIDS, Information Management Division, IMD, Federal Bureau of Investigation, Winchester, Virginia. Winchester's gorgeous. My previous declarations in this matter describe my employment history, responsibilities at the FBI, as well as the FBI's processing of the Freedom of Information Act FOIA request at issue in this case. This is my eighth declaration overall in this instant action, and it supplements and incorporates by reference the information previously provided by me in my prior declarations dated December 8th. Um, there's like, there's seven more, but I, I think I saw where Huddleston says, actually, there's like nine more. And the, the FBI has lost count of how many CIDL declarations they've produced. The FBI submits this declaration in further support of defendant's motion for summary judgment regarding FOIA exemption 7A. Part one provides the justification for the exemption seven threshold and describes how the material at issue were collected for law enforcement purposes. Part two provides the FBI's justification for categorically denying a CD containing images of Seth Rich's personal laptop, Seth Rich's work laptop, a DVD and tape drive collector referred to as the work laptop pursuant to FOIA exemption 7A in relation to the United States Attorney's Office and blah, 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 and the homicide of Seth Rich. Part three for, provides the FBI's justification for categorically denying the work laptop. Part four reserves the FBI's right to invoke other FOIA exemptions. Okay, so he says, before an agency can invoke, we already know all that. 
Executive Order 12333. We know all this stuff. The personal laptop was collected in furtherance of the FBI's role in the special counsel's office and related investigations. The work laptop, pardon me. The work laptop was also collected in furtherance of the FBI's role in investigations derived from the Mueller special counsel. These, ma these materials were collected to document the FBI's investigation of potential crimes and threats to national security. Thus, the FBI determined they were combined for law enforcement purposes. Footnote three, both DOJ and the FBI are responsible for maintaining portions of the special counsel's office evidence collection with FBI retaining the investigative materials. Part two, pending law enforcement proceedings into the homicide. This is repetitive. We know this stuff. Okay. Went a little bit too far. In this case, the FBI is categorically asserting exemption 7A to protect the personal laptop and the work laptop of Seth Rich, which pertain to a pending law enforcement investigation related to the USAODC homicide investigation. The release of this information would reveal details concerning the pending enforcement proceeding. To include the existence and location of the spinoff investigations. As such, revealing this previously undisclosed information could reasonably be expected to interfere with the pending law enforcement proceedings. Background, Seth Rich was shot and killed on July 10th, 2016 in the 2100 block of Flagler Place, Northwest Washington, D.C. Mr. Rich died by gunshot during what is believed to be a botched robbery in the early morning hours of July 10th, 2016. At the time, Mr. Rich was walking alone to his home in D.C. The D.C. Metropolitan Police Department has jurisdiction over homicides in the District of Columbia and immediately began to investigate the homicide of Mr. Rich as the lead law enforcement agency. The United States Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia opened an investigation which was assigned to the Assistant United States Attorney in the United States Attorney's Office, D.C. Homicide Section. When the FBI became aware that the USA, the United States Attorney's Office and MPD had an open investigation into the death of Seth Rich, the FBI notified the court via an in-camera ex parte filing of this new information. Since receiving notification of the pending investigation, the FBI has been in communication with the U.S. Attorney in D.C. and confirmed that the investigation remains active and continues to be handled by the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, who serves as the local, as the local law enforcement prosecutor in the D District of Columbia. The D.C. U.S. Attorney handling this homicide investigation on behalf of the USAODC has advised the FBI that both the personal laptop and the work laptop are of interest in the ongoing homicide investigation. As with other items of evidence in the USAODC and MPD investigation, sorry, checking something on my phone real quick. I shouldn't do that. Any public, okay, we possess blah, 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 blah. As with other items of evidence, any computer that was possessed by or used by Seth Ridge at the time of his death, whether for personal or employment related reasons, is important to the investigation for what it contains and for what it does not contain. Any public release of the contents of such computers would have a significant and negative impact on the investigation being handled by the U.S. Attorney's Office for D.C. and future prosecution of any suspects. Reasonable expectation of interference. Prematurely disclosing any of the information concerning this investigation to include the contents of any device containing images or data of any kind from any computer that was possessed or used by Seth Rich at the time of his death would reasonably be expected to interfere with the pending law enforcement action. Hmm. All right, the rest of this is repetitive. Same stuff we've heard. Ultimately, disclosure of the content of the laptops would reveal the scope and focus of the ongoing investigation. Hmm. 
okay, this part is about the spinoff investigations. Application, determination, in this case, the FBI is categorically asserting 7A to protect the work laptop of Seth Rich, which pertains to pending law enforcement investigations related to the FBI investigation derived from the special counsel's office. The release of this information would reveal details concerning the pending enforcement proceedings to include the existence and location. They mean like which office uh, is doing it, which state, which city. Uh, location of spinoff investigations. The FBI determined release of any of this material would be expected to provide criminals and agents of foreign powers. So it's a counterintelligence investigation, I would guess. I mean, of course it is, but as such, revealing this previously, I was kind of hoping it's they would mention public corruption too. Uh, thus, the FBI has applied 7A. As previously discussed, Russia, Russia, Russia. See this word right here? See this? GRU? That's what GRU stands for. I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try it. I could probably do it. I'm not going to, no. Maybe after I've had four hours of sleep, I would try. These units conducted units 26165 and 74455 engaged in cyber operations that involved the staged releases of documents stolen through computer intrusions. These units conducted large-scale cyber operations to interfere with the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Grand jury indicted all these Russians. FBI has confirmed that the above indictment remains pending. Yep, we know that. Okay, repetitive. Duplicative. Uh, physically harming some of the future. The release of withheld investigative details could lead to the identification. Asked and answered. We got all this stuff. FBI continues to work with DOJ. And then they say that they might bring other exemptions. Okay, so Seidel's backing it up. A lot of repeated, and a lot of that stuff is just the same thing over and over again. Okay. Now we got Huddleston. And he says, now comes Brian Huddleston, the plaintiff, moving the court to order the FBI to provide information about an ex parte in-camera filing. In paragraph nine of the eighth Seidel declaration filed on February 8th, 2024, Mr. Seidel indicates that the FBI made an ex parte in-camera filing. Quote, when the FBI became aware that the USAO, DC, and MPD had an open investigation into the death of Seth Rich. Any seasoned law enforcement officer knows that murder investigations are always open until the murder is solved. It appears that the FBI has concocted a false story, namely that it just learned seven and a half years after Mr. Rich's murder that the murder case is still open and that it would therefore ju it just learned that everything on the laptops is exempt from disclosure. I see what he's saying here. Mr. Huddleston strongly disputes the FBI's self-serving assertion that it previously had no reason to know that Seth Rich's laptops were relevant to an open murder investigation. Simply put, this does not pass the smell test. Look right here. This is what I was talking about. February 8th was actually, this was actually the ninth declaration of Mr. Seidel. The eighth declaration was, was filed on January 20th, so he forgot one. In his forthcoming response to the FBI's latest motion for judgment, Mr. Huddleston will show in detail why the FBI's claim rings hollow, particularly at this juncture in this multi-year FOIA case. 
However, ex parte proceedings run against the fundamental principle of transparency in judicial proceedings and raise serious concerns that must be addressed immediately. Ex parte proceedings are an exception to the rule in our judicial system and contrary to its adversarial, adversarial nature. At this point, Mr. Heidelson does not even know what statute or rule purportedly authorized the ex parte filing. He therefore moves the court to order the FBI to do the following. One, state when the ex parte filing occurred. Two, explain what rule, statute, or other law authorized the ex parte filing. Three, explain why the FBI did not notify plaintiff's counsel that it was making an ex parte filing. Or explain why the FBI could not have provided some generic description of the documents that it filed ex parte. Five, provide at least some general description of the documents filed with the court. Six, disclosure whether there have been any other ex parte filing communications or presentations that have not been disclosed previously. Mr. Huddleston moves the court to permit his attorney to view the filing pursuant to attorney's eyes only and clarify whether the court intends to rely on the filings as evidence. Signed, Ty Clevenger. Interesting. Hmm, did the FBI slip up just a bit? I don't know. All right, here's the FBI's response to that request. In a declaration filed in support of the motion for summary judgment, Michael Seidel, section chief, blah, 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 made mention of a previous ex parte in-camera filing of the defendants, meaning the FBI. In the present motion, the plaintiff objects to this filing and seeks further information. Benson's honey for the win. Get yourself some Benson's honey if you want the Seth Rich of FOIA laptop to be disclosed. Um, in the present motion, the plaintiff objects to this filing and seeks further information concerning this filing, including legal basis for the ex parte. The plaintiff also asks that his counsel be permitted to view the filing. Finally, the plaintiff asks this court to clarify whether it intends to rely on the filing as evidence. The motion should be denied. Ex parte in-camera filings, while disfavored generally, are a regular feature of FOIA cases, such as here with an ongoing criminal and national security investigation are involved. There is no basis, however, for permitting attorney's eyes only review of a document filed in camera. This court was previously denied such a request or has previously denied such a request and should do so again. Then they give the legal standard for a legal argument. The defendant recognized the plaintiff points out that the ex parte and camera filings are generally disfavored, but disfavored is not the same as prohibited. More specifically, this court has already discussed this issue in this case. In a memorandum and opinion order on docket, docket number 137, Denying plaintiff's motion to permit counsel to view evidence, this court held that, quote, a court may review records withheld under FOIA exemption in camera ex parte under certain circumstances to determine whether those records have been properly withheld, and that a court may review an individual or an affidavit ex parte in the context of FOIA under certain circumstances. In that same opinion, this court also denied an attorney's eyes only review by plaintiff's counsel. The court should again reach the same conclusion as the Seventh Circuit has noted, blah, 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 blah. With respect to the request, the defense provided a generic description of the ex, the ex parte in camera filing. And they suggest that such a description should be either insufficiently vague or the description will destroy the basis for the in camera filing. Finally, the, with respect to the plaintiff's request that the court, quote, clarify whether it intends to rely on such a filing as evidence. It is for the court to decide. So they basically said, we don't want to. And that catches us up. Let me see. Yep, that catches us up. Okay. If you enjoyed that, there's my link tree. Um... I may just wrap it up there. Make this a short show. Just an hour-long show on a Friday. All 
I will I will say that like I think I can totally understand people like being grr FBI on this one. Like I know that a lot of times, you know, I err on the side of, you know, being as understanding as possible of DOJ because I'm not all blackpilled about DOJ. Like a lot of people are. Um, and I'm not blackpilled on them because I spend a lot of time on the documents seeking to understand what's going on. And in doing that, I re I have come to notice just how much fake news there is in regards to the DOJ and courts and law enforcement. Just it's outrageous how much fake news there is trying to convince people to be upset when there actually isn't a basis to be upset. Um, so that's where I come from on it. But with this right here, like I said, if the FBI is telling the truth then that filing was actually a huge admission. And I know they're saying they're, they're making a claim for that exemption, but they're in their justification for it. Um, it's huge um, for us and for, and for solving the Seth rich murder and the DNC hack and all of that. Um, if they're telling the truth, then they're saying they're basically in, they're indicating that our theories about DNC hack and Seth Rich are substantiated. There's some, there's a there there. And I know we all believe that, but if they're right to assert 7A in this instant, then it's it's actually a positive for us. Um, if they're lying, then it necessarily means that we might be incorrect about our theories about Seth Rich and DNC hack and his murder. Um, I think this is an instant where good news is bad news, as BB likes to say. But you may disagree, and if you do, that's okay. Kinda. All right, folks. Y'all have a wonderful Friday, and uh, I'll be back uh, next week with, uh, we'll catch up on Trump's docs case. There's motions to dismiss in that case that, uh, are pretty big. And there's a lot of pages. There's like 300 plus pages of stuff. I'm going to sift through them and try and I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to sift through them and find the highlights. And, uh, that's what I'm planning for our Monday show. So looking forward to it. Stay positive. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. God bless.